You can multitask, huh? Yeah, I can multitask this shit, man. I am so psyched. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Signals from the Batcave. I am Nock. I am Rara. <clears throat> and Rara's uber excited for the new Suicide Squad trailer. Holy fuck, I'm orgasmic over it. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, like he said. I'm on the fence. Oh my god, I'm actually typing that, Knock, on our Geek, Geek Yogurt Podcast web, web, website. I'm, I'm typing, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Not just because of that, but oh my god. Oh. I loved every fucking minute of it. Every minute. That was, well, it was a couple minutes long, so yeah, I can see that. Uh, it was just filled with everything that I, that, I don't know, is just... It has everything. I mean, and look, we should preface this, this, this uh, everything with uh, the discussion that we had before. Right. As a difference between uh, Marvel, Marvel's MCU and uh, uh, the MCU and the DCU. Right. Um, they're because they're two totally different types, in my opinion, of of uh, films and filmmaking. And as Marvel rolls along. And as DC is getting wrapped up, I think both equally divisive when it comes to uh, comic book uh, fans, genre fans. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you want to talk about what we had talked about, just as, a, as an opener. Oh, what did we talk We talked about uh, how Marvel movies are, are more comic book and uber real, and DC is more walk out your front door and you could walk into any one of these characters. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, that, that was basically the point I was making. I wasn't sure if you agreed or not. Not that Marvel's uber real, but our, Mar- Marvel assumes that you're going to suspend the, the idea that this is a real world. Right. And whereas DC doesn't ask you to do that. So, I mean, but seeing, judging from the trailer, we see things in it. We see, like, that, that were absent from the Phase 1 uh, MCU. We see real magic in Katana's sword, the soul-stealing sword. I'm not sure if that was a soul going into her sword, if it was just a plume of smoke going around her. Well, that plume of smoke looked like a freaking, uh, you know, skull. It actually had... It actually Did you had, see a skull in that? Okay. There was a skull I see it was a plume of smoke. I wasn't sure one way or the other. <laughs> then her eyes glaze over in that black... I did see that part. And I'm not saying that um, uh, the Enchantress is magic, but they refer to her as a witch, possessed by a witch. Yes. So I'm assuming that, that they're not going the enhanced science route of Thor and uh, Asgard for the MCU. No, it's going... As far as I can tell, it's going to be a straight up, she's possessed by a witch and... That's where her power comes from, is the witch inside of her. Right. So, I mean, and this is the thing here. We are, in, a, in essence, this will be three movies in when this drops. Three movies in because oh, we have... Oh, you're counting Superman? I'm counting, I'm counting Man of Steel. Okay. And I'm counting Dawn of Justice. Right. Okay? And I consider the Suicide trailer, and... and and I know we had a plan for this, but I'm just so fucking jazzed from this 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 trailer. We did have a plan to talk about the DC Comics uh, releases we'll that happened. We'll get to it. We, we, we gotta get this out of here. Holy shit! I thought the trailer was just so much balls. It was so much balls that they actually came out and said, "Our world 
even though it's one that you can relate to and walk out your door, and we're not asking you to suspend belief in, in uh, uh, the reality as being believable and true. Uh, you know, you throw a rock, gravity makes it fall. You know, psychics are, you know, charlatans and like Miss Cleo are only after your money. They're not asking you to suspend any of that. But what they are saying is, but you know what? You will believe in all that stuff, but we have fucking magic, we have fucking mutants, and we have fucking aliens. And three movies in, that is balls for DCU. Now, way back when, when they first started doing the Suicide Squad movie, I read somewhere that Croc, maybe it wasn't the movie, maybe it was uh, one of the comic books, but Croc was, uh, what was it? He had an extreme case of HPV. So all of the scales that you see are just warts all over his body. Right. But we also have Diablo who shoots fire. Right. Now, granted, I don't know a whole lot about that, but it's very clear that his gig is fire, that he can just manifest it. Yes. So, I mean, that's what I mean by mutants. Now, Killer Croc... We don't know if that's mutant, a, a mutation in his DNA, right. or if that's um, demon possession, or maybe just straight-up magic, like uh -huh. Enchantress. I'm assuming that they're trying to make... Since Dawn of Justice will open the world up, like, a great deal, um, and, it, and it precedes this film, right. that they're further expanding on that. That's why I'm saying, like, their, their cast of characters was intentional. Well, yeah, I, I could understand that, because you, you, have, you have the witch, which is Enchantress, you have the psychotic Harley, you have the straight-up killer, Deadshot, you have... Uh, I don't know what you would call Croc. Mutant? See, I would call Croc, and she's, he's lumped into... Depends on how they how they wrote him. Yeah. He's lumped into normal human with psychological damage, like Harley Quinn. Okay. And even Joker. You know, I wouldn't classify them as meta. I would classify Diablo if his abilities are even psychic, like in pyrotechnics. Yeah, then I was going to get to him. So you have the, the five different characters, plus you have Boomerang, which is technology. Right. With, with his boomerangs. Uh -huh. Captain Boomer. Uh -huh. So, yeah, you, you have, what, five, six? And Katana. Uh -huh. Seven. Who am I missing? That's all of them, right? And Rip. Yeah. Rick, well, Rick Flag. Rick Flag. Yeah. Who was just the, the normal yeah. guy with a gun. And then, yeah, that shot him. <laughs> Which is a normal guy with a gun who can really shoot good. Right. See, that's the thing. It's like, we have professional killers yep. in Deadshot, um, Boomerang, which basically their abilities are all skill-based right. through training and discipline. Right. We have psychotics in uh, the rest of them. Harley and and uh, Croc. and Joker and Croc. And but Joker's we, not part of the squad. Yeah, but he's in there and he's in there enough. I mean, even though during the special uh, DCU broadcast night on the CW, Jeff John says he's not part of the team. He's fucking part of the team, and he's influencing characters within that team to do certain things and behave certain ways. Right. Which I think a lot of his scenes must be. It must be flashbacks. Don't, yeah, it might be flashbacks of when him and Harley were tagging around together. Right. And possibly you can throw Croc in there, too, because that's part of that universe. Right. So, I mean, so you have skilled professionals with, you know, the wild card of the psychotics with, uh, 
magicians and magic. Right. And maybe a meta in Diablo. So I think that's that's pretty much saying this is the universe that we're going to shock you with. Because, again, it's a universe where you can go there and you can go to a Starbucks. You can go there and you can, you know, shop at Kmart. It's not like... Shop at Kmart and have Killer Croc right next to you getting yes. it. Yes, yes. Yeah. But, that, but that is, that's what's weird. You see, that's what's unbelievable. Not the fact that, you know, those things are normal as they are in the MCU, but that they're weird. And I think that's that's the thing they're, they're driving with. I don't know. And I thought visually it was it was awesome. I mean, I, two scenes that stick up out of my mind are uh, right away, and I've only watched it once. Yeah. You know, and on a very small tablet screen. But two scenes that stick out in my mind right away. Again, uh, three scenes actually. The uh, gun gauntlets. For yeah. Deadshot. Yeah, I loved seeing those. I was very happy to see those in the movie. Fucking awesome. Yeah. And the scene with Joker and Harley, where they sort of mirror, mirror each other, where Harley's being lifted out of what looks like some kind of pond of white fluid or liquid, and the dyes from her hair is spilling out, swirling around her by the Joker. And then there's a similar scene where Joker's laying down on a canvas, and similar to like the ripples of her hair dye and the liquid flowing around her, he's laying down on a canvas sheet, and all around him are arrayed his, his, his blades that he uses. Yep. Though that's like fucking brilliant filmmaking. How they're yeah. like both results of their contact with each other and although they're both very different, they have these yeah. very real similarities to them. I mean, making that connection between them. Now I never went and read Mad Love. I mean I pretty much have the gist of Harley's origin story down from Batman the animated series, which Oh, I can't even think of his name. Um, the writer. Tim? No, not uh, Dan Dido? No. Anyway, he was the creative Harley Quinn. And his take on it was it was all psychological torture between Joker and Harley. And that's how she snapped. She became infatuated with him, fell in love with him, and then broke him out because of this and then after that after she had gone crazy found out that it was just a ploy for hit for joker to get out of arkham the way that they're portraying it in the movie is it was all physical torture or physical and mental torture combined I mean, they have she she's strapped down to a table he's putting electrodes through her he's hurting her so well, we don't get a lot of that from the trailer. We don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to admit I'm not a big Harley fan. Like, I don't collect her books. I don't... I'm, I've, the only times I've ever seen her are in very, very small cameos in the books that I have. I mean, it's not like I seek her out. But because of this film, I may actually do so. Yeah. Because I think it's... Even though it's played out differently between the animated series and and maybe how it is in comic books and in this movie. I think it's that same, like, allure of the abyss. I mean, where you stare into it and you find something dark within yourself. She may have strapped him, he may have strapped her down and, you know, given her electroshock to her head, and that may have fucked her up. But, you know, there had to be something bad in there for him to see, to begin with, in order for him to not just carve her up. So, I think, I think it's not as... Clean cut, clean cut, and not as black and white as that. 
I think as these movies have have uh, demonstrated, it's like there's there's a mix of dark and light between everybody. Paul Dini. Paul Dini. I mean, there's there's a dark and light in everyone, especially in this universe. From Superman, which is the very controversial Man of Steel, snapping Zod's neck and destroying Metropolis while he's battling Zod, um, to this movie, which I think will have thousands of theaters full of people rooting for psychotics and killers and rapists and murderers right. to be, you know, as if they were the heroes of the film. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's the, no that one line from Deadpool, Deadpool, Deadshot of "Let's go save the world" does not. It really shouldn't have been in there because well, rapists sarcasm. and murderers and thieves. It was. It did not come across it's, as sarcasm. Well, we don't. We also don't know. Up. We also don't know the context that it said or who's speaking to it. That's true. So I but mean, the, the tone of his voice when he said it. Yeah. They could have changed that dialogue just just a tad. Where wow. he's, you know, kind of breathless, you know, oh, let's go save the world instead of let's go save the world. Well, we don't. We also don't know if if uh, uh, Rick is talking to him at that point and reminding them, uh, you know, I don't know if they're actually going to do this for the Suicide Squad. Right. That you all have a bomb in your neck and you better do what you're supposed to do or you're dead. Right. Or we know he has a family in this movie. So we have your kid. If you're not interested in doing things the way they need to be done, uh, we have the means to make you. Um, and that was his retort. As if, like, cause I encounter this all the time in my work. I mean, you tell people what they need to do. They don't want to do it. You inform them the consequences. They speak with that same uh, tone when they realize they have no choice. Right. So, again, we don't know the context of that. And I admit that that's like a Will Smith line to save and one of the really worst parts of the previous trailer, um, which we've met, which I've mentioned before in the right. podcast. I mean, but man, that is just, I think it's going to, this, this movie is going to hit it out of the ballpark. It's going to, it's going to open up the DCU and make it accessible in a way that it needs to in order to make it separate from yeah. the MCU. So I'm, out of the two <coughs> DC movies that are coming out, I'm more excited to see Batman versus Superman. And that's not saying much because it's... I've said it before that I'm not really that excited for that movie either. So. Yeah. And uh, we saw a little bit more about what the, the world they're trying to make in the uh, CW uh, special feature uh, on uh, the DCU broadcast tonight. Origins. Or, was it? Origins of the Justice League. Yeah. I mean, if you're interested in, in seeing more about the cinema universe that they're making, that's certainly something to watch if it's you know on YouTube or whatever. Check right. that out. I thought it was great. I mean, it basically laid out everything that I thought that was going to happen, that their version of the comic book uh, origins and, and mythology of these characters is going to be different, and it's going to be divisive, and it's going to be... If you're a purist, I don't think these things are going to be for you, for sure, definitely. And But I think they're, they're doing everything that they need to do right in order to get the people who aren't purists to get on the bandwagon and, and experience something different from the MCU, that's for sure. Well, they have to make it broad enough for the layperson to go see the movie as well as the comic book people and even the purists. And I'm sure if the purists do go see it, they're going to do the same thing that uh, the, the Star Wars fanatics did. They're going to rip it apart, say, like Som did. Right. 
bit. But see, that's his thing. I don't think they're doing that. I don't think they're making uh, these movies for purists. No, they're not. They're definitely not so, making it. So if, you, if a purist goes and sees it and, and rips it apart, I'm with them on that. Right. Because you're going, you're going into the movie expecting something else. From the beginning, they said that Superman is not the Superman you know. So if you go into it expecting to see Donner Superman, you're going to rip it apart. I think they were willing to make that gamble. And, and Man of Steel did not, did not pan out for them because um, there are some definite flaws in that film that, that make it a decent uh, comic book based action film, but not a Superman film. Right. And what I'm saying is what they're, what they're doing right is, is that they're building on that and in the same way they're not making it for the comic book purist audience because they know that that segment of the audience is limited. What they're doing is they're saying, you may know about these characters because as a kid you might have had them on your underoos or you might have like had a lunchbox or you might have like seen something on a cartoon and thought it was cool when you were young. But this is a movie for you now as an adult based on that mythology only on those very little inklings that you've got. I think that's what they're doing, and I think that's what they're doing well. Um, and the only other thing, you know, on top of that is, these movies are going to be visually beautiful. They are not going to be dull. They're not going to be, you know, lacking for any kind of effects, whether they're practical or, or CGI. I mean, Suicide Squad looks to me like it's very, much more practical heavy because of the gunplay yeah. and things like that and the close combat aspects of it than say a Man of Steel or even Dawn of Justice right. because you, there's no way you can practical effect uh, a fight between soups and mecha, mecha bats. I mean, that's, that's going to be you know, definitely CGI. But if you want something a little more grounded, I think Suicide Squad will deliver that. And I think both films will be equally visually stunning. So I think in that sense, for for a broader audience, they are building the right things. I tell you what, I will go see these films with my distaste for them already, and if I enjoy them, I will let you know first. Right. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like, too, I went to see Ant-Man even though I knew I wasn't going to like it. Yeah. I went to see uh, Guardians. I went to see Guardians, um, and that made me. I, I, it, it made you think. It made you look at it in a different light. Right. It made me look at it in a different light, and that just wasn't for me. Right. I was very psyched for uh, Avengers two, and that was just just a complete letdown. Yeah. So it's like I go see these films, um, even though I have reservations. Um, so you should always go support filmmakers and their ideas and visions. I think that's good. But at the same time, I think, uh, you know, it, it's hard not to have expectations. But, you know, you really, I think you really should, should uh, keep an open mind. I think that's where the big letdown comes from. You go in there thinking it's going to be a great movie, you're going to enjoy it so much, and then when it doesn't deliver to the pedestal that you put the movie yeah. on or these characters on, yeah. that's when you're disappointed and you don't want to see it again. Right. Same thing happened with Green Lantern. I was so freaking excited to see that movie. And then, I can't blame it all on Reynolds, but the movie was not as good as I, I hoped it would be. 
Right. Well, let's see, and I had collected some Green Lantern before that film came out, but I wasn't terribly psyched to see it. In fact, I didn't see it in theaters. Right. I ended up watching it on, uh, at home, but uh, I, I agree with you. It was it was something of a letdown um, because I think it, did, it had a lot of trouble figuring out what it wanted to be. Right. Uh, we're either going to be like this rom-com with Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds that happens to be in a comic book movie. Right. Or we're going to make a comic book movie, you know, that has some, you know, comic book action elements in it. Yeah. Like it couldn't really decide what it wanted to be. And so I think the decision has been made and I think it's very clear, both in the MCU and the DCU, where they want to go and what they want to do. I think they to DC has ironed out what what the the letdowns were with Man of Steel and trying to correct that in Batman vs Superman and even in in uh, Suicide Squad. Hopefully, they will have all the kinks ironed out. What I did not like seeing in the Batman vs Superman is they're cherry picking certain scenes from the comic books and mashing them all together and throwing them in a movie and rewriting everything. If, if you make nods to the source material, it's one thing, but when you straight up pull things directly from the books, it just doesn't work well, for that's, me. Well, I think that's the thing, is though. I don't think they care that you as a comic book purist feel that way. They're going to do their own thing. And so that's what I'm saying. It's like they're very clear with the direction of the film that they want to go. Like I hate the lo- whole look of Doomsday. I right. think Doomsday is was the wrong fucking direction. Why to go. do they always choose a Goomba? See, that's the thing. It's like their their con- their uh, their uh, designs for these CG villains. They're not terrible, but they're also not good. Right. So I'm like thinking, why, why would you do that? And after reading several interviews and, and things as to why Zack Snyder is doing that. And he's actually come out and said, like, the problems we have with Man of Steel, they're not concerned about. Because that movie wasn't made for you. That movie was made for everyone else. The everyone else that paid $230 million in domestic box office grosses. And it's that's the comments thing. like that that piss people off. And that's what Joe says. Because he is also a purist. So, if they're making movies not for you guys, that has to be okay. Because you're, you're, it's okay. You have all the right in the world, and I told this to him. You have all the right in the world not to like the film, but the film that does not make the film bad. Because again, two hundred thirty million dollars worth of people went to see it. So for them in the DCU universe, it was below expectations, but it was certainly enough for them to spawn a whole universe of other films. Right. So I mean, they're not concerned with those types of things, or the types of things that I have problems with. Like, that's not the origin of Doomsday. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I'm glad that they righted the ship on Wonder Woman, and she's not some kind of Kryptonian offshoot, which is what early the uh, Dawn of Justice scripts uh, had her pegged. There, she's actually in Amazon, and actually there's magic involved and all that kind of thing. I did not hear about that. that yeah, that would have been ass. That's uh, Ninja Turtles from space. Right. That's right. That's Bullshit. exactly that's exactly what it is. And in the same analogy, they didn't do enough to fix that storyline in the first Ninja Turtles movie. Um, I think, for my taste, they did enough. But you know, outside of my my uh, fanboyish nature for the turtles, 
the movie was not great. Right. You know, was not good. I mean, sure, that also made over $200 million domestically for box offices. But it was not a good film. So, I mean... You don't, you don't, you don't go to New York City where everybody is wearing like short sleeves and shirts, and then drive two hours upstate, and it, there's like fucking three feet of snow on the ground. That makes no, con- you know, sense in terms wow. of continuity. Yeah, that's, that's complete. It's that's continuity. dumb. Um, sad. I don't know why they would try doing something like that. There's nothing glaring like that in Man of Steel, but there are definite problems with Man of Steel and the things that they do with it. Um, but again, I think they're not concerned about what purists think. They're making a film for more general audiences based on this mythology. Because even Star Wars fans, like Keaton, yeah. is, fi- are, is finding problems with a lot of the storytelling and script choices for Force Awakens. And that's always going to happen, because the purists are always going to be that way. They're always going to have their own vision for how things should be done. Weren't they writing the script as they were filming for, for, uh, sort of Force Awakens? Were they writing the script? Or were they, they, were they reworking it? Like when uh, Harrison Ford broke his leg, didn't they yeah. go back and rewrite a little bit? Yeah, that might be actually a, a question for for Sam on that. But I think they had to do that because, of course, he's less mobile. That's true. So I mean, so they there might have been action sequences that they couldn't do, and we we know now uh, after the fact that there was probably thirty minutes of the film that ended up on the cutting room floor to make time, make room for pacing and. Right. And, and to make time. So, I mean, there's all those things that work into it. But the point is, is that um, as much as the MCU, I think, is pandering to their comic book audience and in giving them everything they want and thus not taking very many risks and counting on, you know, their fan loyalty to get them through movies like Avengers 2 and Ant-Man, which are rock with problems. Uh, I don't think the DCU is concerned with that. I think they're saying we're going to make the movies that we want to make. We like them or don't like them, but these two things are going to be are going to be true. They're going to be pretty, and they're going to be you're going to be able to feel our passion coming through. Right. Whereas a lot of the time, a lot of the folks in, in Avengers Two felt like they were just there for the paycheck and phoning it in. And definitely, we know all the problems that had that were on set for Ant Man. So I think that those two things are going to come through. You're either going to like those movies. Or you're not, but I don't think the filmmakers are going to change their direction. Um, they're they're going to make films. They're going to make the films they want to make. I don't think they're going to they're going to change direction on all of them. I I can understand so. not pandering to the source audience, and but if you come out and say, well, if you don't like it too damn bad, we're going to make this anyway. That's just gonna make you look like an asshole and more people are not going to go see it because word's going to get around that they don't care about the people going to see these movies. Uh, see, that's the thing. It's like, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Yeah. I mean, and you're definitely taking a risk. But everything I've seen so far has led me believe that it's a risk that's, that's going to be fruitful. I think the risk taking that they're in, in, the, in, these, in this first outing I think is going to be I mean you fucking open up your MCU launch with a two and two hour and forty minute uh, epic that puts Batman against Superman that's a fucking risk that's a story writing nightmare because how are you going to how are you going to how are you going to properly balance both those on screen egos in one film right 
um, and then to have uh, an ensemble of Suicide Squad people that are as bad to the bone as you can get, how the fuck are you going to get people to cheer for them? Those are two very risky things to do, and I think that speaks to the, I think, and Sam will argue with me on this, but I think it speaks to the, to, to the talent and to the balls of those producers to do that. So, I don't know. I mean, we, we've gone on and on about this for like almost half an hour. I mean, I'm just so jazzed. I mean, I just think, I just think it's going to work. Um, I don't know if you want to roll into this week's comic books. Uh, or do you want to save that for next week? We'll save that for next week. That's a good idea because Batman is supposed to drop tomorrow, yeah, actually. Batman. Europa number four is supposed to drop tomorrow. And then also the, the next Batman where is the result of Bruce Wayne's uh, returning memory that he's Batman. Okay. His physical memory, his emotional memory that he's Batman, uh, I think is also supposed to drop tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then next week. So that would be something we could talk about, too. Hellblazer Volume 12 came out today, so I've been reading that and uh, kind of got lost. I was going to go back and read Europa, so I'm kind of glad that you got all excited about the Suicide Squad trailer. Yeah. Because I never went back and reread it. I read it last week, and I kind of remember what happened, but yeah. it, it's better to have it fresh in my mind and talk about this stuff. Yeah, and I might actually give it a second read, too, because it, the first time I read it, it was really bad taste in my mouth, but I'll right. give it another read and we'll see. Okay. All right. That's it for uh, this week's episode of Signals from the Bath Cave. Uh, stay tuned for uh, next time. We'll be talking maybe comic books, I hope.